Hello and welcome to episode 40 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. Joining me as always is League Freak, who you can find on Twitter at League Freak. How are you today, mate? I'm very good. I've now had one and one third coffee, so I'm now with the land of the living and we're ready to talk about a bunch of rugby league stuff that we've been talking about for the last hour. <laughs> yeah, we, we got halfway through talking about it. I was trying to think think of something to talk about for this episode and then realised, shit, we've just wasted a podcast worth of conversation. <laughs> and now we're going to do it all over again just for you guys. Yeah, it'll be great. We're going to call this the uh, the episode where we looked at the clickbait headlines in Daily Telegraph mm. and discuss what they're talking about there. Yeah, and how how positive their coverage of the game actually is. Yeah. Um, wonderful, wonderful stuff. Wonderful. So the main story they've got today is uh, NRL concussion shock. I'm not sure if I like those two words together. Mm-hmm. Uh, brain disease found in former players. And it's about two two deceased players who have played, um, as the article states, at least 150 first-grade games each. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, they found the, uh, was it CTE? Yep, yep was found in, in both players' brains. And, uh, yeah. And they, so these two players, they haven't named them. Um, these two players have played at least 150 first-grade games. And the thing about CTE, at the moment, they can't, they can't diagnose it until a player has passed away and they physically get a chance to look at their brain um, and, and study their, their brain. So these... Two players have been have passed away. Now they don't narrow it down to how old they were or anything, and um, no doubt people speculate about who these poor people were. Um, I'm sure that they eventually we will find out down the track, but it is it is kind of scary, and I think it's to be expected because there <clears throat> there is head trauma in rugby league as there is in a lot of different. Uh, things that people choose to do with their their leisure time. Um, and the thing I think that needs to be remembered, because a lot of journalists are going to line this up with what we saw in the NFL, and the thing that needs to be remembered is that rugby league, going back from as far as I can even remember, has always taken head trauma seriously. And they've always put measures in place that have been the latest news and information about how to treat head trauma. Whereas the NFL didn't. The NFL uh, really pushed back against a lot of things that were being told to them by, by the, uh, you know, doctors and things like that. And that's the thing that you're probably not going to hear about from journalists because the journalists are looking for the clickbait headlines and everything sensational and we no one will be playing rugby league in five years' time and that sort of stuff. But the NRL has always taken the very latest advice on head trauma going back decades now, um, and that's the big difference. And, and we're seeing that with the HIA is the latest thing. And there's really not another sport in the whole world that takes it as seriously as rugby league does that I can think of. And I watch a lot of different sports. Yeah. It's, um, it's one of those things where um, I think a lot of people in the media are going to sit there and say silly things like, oh, you know, this is going to lead to change is going to ruin the fabric of the sport. It's going to make mm-hmm. it softer and 
well, I think that was kind of the fear that the NFL had. Yeah, um, yeah. A sport where players are wearing 16 tonnes of padding and helmets. <clears throat> and look, it has changed their sport to a certain degree, not hugely. And it's definitely changed the way that parents have looked at their, their young kids playing football as a fun event, or NFL gridiron over there as a fun event. But it, it's a completely different sport with completely different dynamics to rugby league. And it, this might actually be an interesting thing to talk to an RL physio about. And we did talk to him a little bit about it in the first episode that we, we interviewed him in. Um, and you can go back through the archives and, and look up. And if you just look up NRL physio and uh, Fergo on the Freak, you'll find it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a very different beast. You know, one of the things apparently that they find people get hit trauma from and concussions from is water skiing from the constant like smashing down in, into the water. Um, that's one of the things that you don't think about that. Yeah. People get head trauma or, or concussive traumas from. It's yeah. It's, it's one of these really tricky things too. You're going to see, um, you know, nearly every sport. I mean, even things like motor racing, Mm. Where they don't actually have a lot of a lot of drivers won't have that many high speed collisions in their lifetime, mm-hmm. but they'll have that one or two that will just spark this immediate concern because uh, the g force from start to stop in such a sudden time can cause a lot of drama as well. Yeah. Um, the thing is though, because it's a part of sport, and sport is something that everyone loves, and I mean these people do it because they love it and they know the risk going into it. It's one of those, you get that sort of tricky area of how do you try and keep the the athlete as safe as possible, but mm-hmm. without without ruining the game and what people love about it too much. And I think that's part and parcel why the NRL has cut down on certain things such as punching and shoulder charges, Yeah, which people don't like, but yep. at the same time, they are... They're solid changes because they get rid of some of the worst cases of, of head trauma you can get. Yeah. Well, at the same time, you're not really <laughs> impacting on how the game's played. Yeah, and it's, it yeah, and it, the, the thing about those two things as well is that when they're um, – and I, I know I'm using the word he, the wrong word here, but when they're part of the game, um, you know, it's – if there's a fight and, and or, or punching allowed – that's something that is direct head trauma and the NRL could have done something about. And they, they penalise you heavily for that now. And we have. I mean, when was how many times do you see... How many times have we seen punches thrown, proper punches thrown since that come in? I mean, I can't think of one. So that worked. As much as we don't like to see punching in the NRL anymore, that the rule change worked. And... With the shoulder charges, like uh, we were looking at video the other the other week about you know players getting knocked out cold, and I mean they were all from shoulder charging. Yeah, um, and that's so, the thing too. I mean, a lot of people were immediately opposed to the shoulder charging because it it basically came about after that hit by Inglis on Dean Young, mm-hmm. which was God, that was just brutal, mm-hmm. and everyone complained at the time. And then you had the story of that uh, football player up in in Queensland who died from one. Yeah. And immediately everyone goes, okay, we start to see that these can go bad, and when they do, people can be killed. Yeah. And we've seen since then, sadly since then, Mm -hmm. that 
the complaints about shoulder charges has sort of died down a fair bit. You'll still get it come through occasionally, but you know, people saying just just penalise the bad ones. And say, yeah, but if the bad ones lead to someone dying, you know, how long do you suspend a player for? <clears throat> yeah, when, that's a good when point. When they miss time, something. Look, if it's Dylan Napper who sometimes has a bit of a a wild, reckless technique, but he's not doing it with intent to kill anyone, mm. but it fucks up someone's face. Yeah, or you know, worse. Yeah, you, know, you can't you can't suspend someone based on how long the opposition player is injured for or how long they're out for. Because if that was the case, then players like um, Jordan McLean wouldn't be playing ever again. You know, yeah. And so it's crazy to think that you can suspend one type of penalty. You, you can't be reactive on this. It has to be proactive. You've got to outlaw it because it's it's safer for everyone. Yeah, exactly, and. Look, I, I am big on bringing shoulder charges back. I really am. I'm big on bringing punches back, but shoulder charges more than anything because I think it is, unlike punching, the shoulder charge in defence is a part of the gladiatorial aspect of the game. Um, and I think that the NRL's, the brutality aspect of the NRL, which is something I enjoy um, and I think a lot of people enjoy, was really hurt for a couple of years by not having the shoulder charge there. I think it, if you watch this season, I think it's now that players have keyed in on their technique a little bit more, I, I think that you don't miss it as much because we're seeing, I mean, now we're still seeing some of those massive hits and it's all like, and you wait for it. You you, you see the replay and you're like, oh my goodness, how, what did he do here? And it's just beautiful technique. Um but I do miss the shoulder charge and I, I would like to see it brought back. But if it's the wrong thing, it doesn't matter what I want. And if, if it's going to lead to players properly getting injured, then it's not a good thing. And yeah, it's, uh, you know, the, the NRL has done a really good job at changing the game over the years to look after players uh, welfare, and I think we're even seeing that now with talk about reducing the interchange, and there's real pushback against that in terms of, well, we're going to see players getting injuries more, even if it's just um, fatigue injuries where you're pulling muscles and things like that. Um, people are pushing back against it because rugby league has always had an eye on the welfare of players, and. I mean, look, it started because of the welfare of players. Rugby league literally started because they wanted to protect the welfare of players to a certain degree. So um, I think rugby league has a lot less of an issue than other sports do. And I, I would say that rugby league is probably in the same sort of category as sports like, and this is going to sound weird, but, you know, gymnastics and things like that, where you can remove the head trauma if you want. But you would have to be saying to gymnasts, you can't do any anything that makes you leave the ground at all. You can't do those routines. And that really would change the whole fabric of these sports. And then what are you doing at that point? You would literally get to a point where players would say, look, I will sign any of the waivers you want to be able to do the sport as is, and I will take the chance that I'm that one in – Put any number on it. It might be one in a thousand. It might be one in ten thousand. It might be one in a million. Just depends what you're doing. That I'm willing to 
do this because that's what drives me. I don't do this because it's easy. I don't do it because it's simple. I don't do it because everyone can do it. I do it because I want to push myself and see what my limits are. And I think that's that might be the end result with with all of this sort of stuff in that rugby league will find, and I think it has, I really do think it has, rugby league will find that balance between we've looked after players as much as we possibly can through our rules and after that you're accepting the same sort of possibility of personal injury that you do when you get a ticket to the drag races and it says on the back of it motor racing is a dangerous sport and you are watching this motor race from the stands knowing that something catastrophic might happen and and I think that that's where we're going with this and I, I applaud the NRL for everything it's done to try and minimise injuries and head trauma to players. And I think we can be really proud as a sport going going ahead, knowing that there's no other sport in the world that is looking at this as seriously and taking the steps that rugby league has and always has. Going back to the, I mean, when was their head had been first brought in the eighties, the late eighties, early nineties. Yeah, it, it came out as a reaction to. Um, uh, AIDS and HIV starting to become more commonly known and people realised that it wasn't just something that was um, like a sexually transmitted disease. They realised that it was actually a blood transferal disease. Yeah, yeah. And so that was immediately when that came out because they found some players in the past would just wipe their face on their shirt and move, keep playing on. They'd be playing on a bloody jumper. Nowadays, that happens. They take the jumper off and get them a new one and patch them up and get them back out there that way. Um, yeah. Yeah, always been pretty smart like that. Um, you know, outlawing spear tackles and punching and stuff like that in the 70s as a result of, you know, delayed result, but as a result of what happened with John Farragher in a scrum. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, that also saw scrums change as well. Mm-hmm. People will complain about scrums being, you know, a bit shit ass because they really are. But when when someone goes down in a scrum and breaks their neck and can't walk again, you can't just sort of let that slide. Something's going to change in the game so that, that doesn't happen again. That's that's one time too many that that's happened. So they were right to change that. It also helped clean up the game and get rid of a lot of penalties and speed it up a fair bit more as well. So it actually had more of a positive effect than a bad one. Yeah. And, um, and the, the other thing is too, yep. um, you know, with all of those changes over time, rugby league has really been ahead of the curve. And, and like... It took a long time, and I, as a NBA fan, uh, it took a long time before the NBA would a play would get a cut or something on the court, and they would get them straight off, make sure they didn't have any blood and stuff like that, and they tape them up and things on the on the the side of the court. But rugby league has been doing that for like you know twenty years or something, so I, I think that we really need to keep a perspective on this and know that the NRL as much as any sport in the world is always taking advice from doctors. Doctors have always been part of the process of, of making sure players get the best care and best treatment and all that sort of thing. So there's going to be a lot of headlines that will happen over the next few days. And a lot of it is going to be sensationalized. It's smart to, I mean, read the articles, but know that the NRL is, is, at the cutting edge of this and, and you know, the, the game's fabric is not going to change because at the end of the day, you are going to get players that will say, 
if I've got to sign a waiver, I'll sign that waiver. Um, you know, and and so just keep an eye on the sensationalism that's going to come out of this, and and we'll see what happens with it. Yeah, speaking of other um, tackles with around the head and the neck area that's uh, been attended to, apparently there's now going to be up to four four or five weeks suspension sent out to players who commit crusher tackles. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can also be sent off now if they commit a crusher tackle that's serious, like some of the ones we saw uh, two weeks ago. Uh, you, you've mentioned this before where... Um, it's pretty clear that what we're seeing now is a lot of players when they when they take the ball up to the line, they're they're getting to the to the line and turning their back and going in backwards. And I dare say it's because they're trying to open up the opportunity to get a, a ball away while attracting two or three defenders. Um, it could also be you know an attempt to try and I dare say avoid being turned around and worked over on the ground in the wrestle, so that yeah. they can get a quicker play the ball away. But it also puts them in this really, really dangerous position where their neck is then bending back towards their chest just because they're running in backwards. And mm-hmm. there's, it's caused a lot of these crusher tackles to take place, and a lot of them are by accident. Some of the ones that we've seen recently, though, were horrible, very, very bad, because they, yeah. the, player would, the player doing the tackle... The player, yeah, the, the tackle player is either is largely on his back. He's not moving anymore, and yet they put all of their weight down on this player. Um, I don't think they're intentionally trying to do a crusher tackle. They're just trying to complete the tackle with a bit of force. But that head's just in the wrong spot, and it's just it's hard, ugly to watch. How someone hasn't done a serious injury yet is an absolute bloody miracle so far. So I think it's good that they've decided to come out hard on this. Um, but I think. I think too much emphasis has been put on the defenders for doing the wrong thing when I think some of the attacking players need to be looked at as well and, and find out whether this whether there's actually any chance that players are putting going in backwards into these tackles knowing that they may get a penalty for a crusher tackle. And if that's the case, that's bloody crazy. Yeah, so I I don't I don't think it's that. I think and I don't think that it's a a tactic that is a conscious one. I just think it's where um, the dynamic of the tackle is at the moment in terms of you've got the, I think we're seeing a lot more offloading in the last probably couple of seasons. And we've also, and I don't think it has anything to do with the new stripping rule, um, but I think we players are wanting to protect the ball more. So they're, they're, Remember about, I think it was about two years ago, the rule was changed with players dropping the ball, and it wasn't really changed. It was just kind of reminded to the referees that if you have a loose carry, you will lose the ball. You're not going to get bailed out by the referee saying, oh, yeah, you had a loose carry, but this player put their hand on the ball and that's it. So I think we're seeing players wrap up the ball more. And if you do, and I'm physically doing the thing now, if you've got the ball in your hand, and you think you've got a couple of people that are trying to take the ball off you, you immediately you, you wrap yourself up around that ball more, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what we're seeing in tackles. <clears throat> if they're not looking to offload, they're wrapping themselves up. And then, so they're hitting the line, wrapping the ball up, and now you've changed the physical object that you are. Now, the opposition player, 
they want to get you on your when you get to the ground they want you to be on your back because when you're on your back you're going to be a slower play the ball so they try and turn you around a little bit once you're turned around as a player and your back is to the defensive line you've still got a lot of drive in your legs and it's you probably have more drive in your legs pushing back against a a couple of defenders behind you so you're pushing back in the tackle and you're all wrapped up over the ball. And when you wrap that ball up, you don't wrap it up with your head up and, and straight. You wrap it up with your head down over the top of the ball. So you've got that dynamic. Now, at that point, the defenders want to get the normally want to get the play to the ground. Even if you say they don't want to do it themselves, gravity is eventually going to make this tackle go to the ground. So how does it go to the ground? The attacking player's backside is going to be the first thing that hits the ground. And because he's wrapped up over the top of the ball, his head is going to be, uh, and this is going to sound funny, his head is going to be over the top of where his backside hits the ground because he's wrapped up over the ball. And straight away, you are in a perfect position to be in a crusher tackle. And all it takes is for gravity to, to drop one of those defenders on the top of your head and you are in a crusher tackle at that stage. Now, I think that, I don't think it's a tactic. I just think it's the dynamic of, of where we're at with tackles. I don't know how you combat it. Um, I could don't it be, think it... Could it become a tactic, though, now that it's going to be something that's heavily punished? Could you see some teams trying to find a way? And I'm not saying they're going to get themselves in a crusher tackle, yeah, yeah. but milk a crusher tackle. Oh, Oops. my neck! Uh, look, I think that's. I, I that's think... that's what I think is going to happen. We've seen this before, yeah. like um, in less serious things, such as uh, players claim that they were taken out a defensive line when they run in and they their finger touches the hair of another player and they fall over Greg Bird style, and they get a penalty that way. Um, the refs have really cracked down hard on that. They're not taking that shit anymore. But when it comes to a neck or a head thing. They're not going to be as aggressive about it because, you know, this is someone's head and neck. That's practically sacrosanct on the NRL field. You don't piss fight around with that. Yeah, and sometimes and you hear a player yelling out about their neck, and you'll see. The, or, I mean, the def- and rugby league is such a special sport in, sport in this sense in that you'll see the players will stop. Like they will literally just yeah. fucking drop everything. They will stop. They will call the referee over. And and the, they will say we've got a problem here, you know. Even if it's because it's very scary, you can see players get scared when they feel those feelings through their neck, whether it's a nerve issue, whether it is a you know strained neck ligaments or something. They get, it scares them, and rightfully so. Um, but yeah, you you have to wonder if it will be something along the lines of I feel something in my neck. I know I've been in this position, so I stay down. I guess that is a concern, um, which I, I mean, I didn't even think of that. But, yeah, it might be something that happens. But I also think that we're going to see defenders, and I think defenders are pretty good with it. I think what they're really trying to get rid of, right, is you get the, a player in that position where you could do a crusher on them, and as a defender, you basically drop your legs out from underneath you and drop on top of them. I think that's what they're trying to get rid of. Right. Fair enough. Um, 
moving on to uh, some lighter news. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, Michael Maguire has re-signed Corey Thompson to the Tigers for a few more years and also told him that you are now our long-term fullback option. It's your job to lose, which has seen Moses and Bai moved into the centres. And given Mumbai has still got, a, I think, one or two years left to go, he's on quite large money. A ridiculous money. Um, I just, I wonder about this idea whether, I, I don't know. See, I think Thompson is a better fullback for me than Mbai. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't know that Mbai is that good a centre. See, I, when he played centre the other week, and I was like, wow, they don't know what to do with him. But I thought he had a really, really good game. Like, Indeed, shockingly good. Defensively, though, he's going to be found wanting after a few weeks there. I See, think I, that's going to be the problem with him. I think he's going to be a uh, bit... Uh, he's going to play a bit more like a winger. I think we're going to find he's going to rush up and in a, a fair bit at centre, which is going to leave his outside man outnumbered more often than not, which we used to see Kevin Naguama do all the time for the Tigers. I I think he could... There's some players I would say to you, they're not going to be able to sort their defence out. He's actually one I think could learn how, what you've got to do as a centre. Um, I was I was so shocked by how well he played in attack, especially. And it, it was weird. It was like, oh, he's finally found his position. And it took a lot of years. He's been playing everywhere in the team. See, he's th- going back to the Bulldogs. Yeah, well, see, I think the, the Tigers are looking at him as Benji's replacement. Mm-hmm. So I I just thought that this year was going to be, uh, you know, a year where he'd stay at fullback the whole time so he can work on, you know, forming those partnerships with the, the edge players and linking up with Brooks a bit more. Yeah. Because he can do that easily at fullback because he can chime in wherever he wants. So I thought that was kind of the idea there. But to move him to centre just means they're parking him on one side. Um, and it's a lot of it's a. I mean, he's if you play him at centre, and I say you because it's your team. But if if you play him at centre, I mean, how many centres would be earning more than him? I would guess Mitchell, and man, I, I would guess that is it. And I yeah. would say Mitchell going forward in his next contract or an upgraded contract, not even now. I mean, Mbai might be the highest paid, paid centre in the game right now. Yeah. It's it's an interesting one. So um, we'll see how it goes. I think at this stage, Maguire is probably working on his roster for next year because mm-hmm. he sort of walked into this team when, when this, this squad was already assembled for 2019. So... I think he's currently working out who he's going to keep for 2020 and 2021. What do you so, think about Thompson is, and I understand why Maguire has said, look, you're our fullback. They've re-signed Thompson. I, I've said to you, I think that Thompson is, I put him I put him in the same category as Gutherson. He's the sort of fullback that you name in first grade when you either haven't got a fullback or your first grade fullback is injured. Um, I don't really rate him that highly. So what are your thoughts about him being given that role as their fullback for the next couple of years? I mean, are you happy with that? I know you rate him way higher than, or not way high, but you rate him higher than I do. 
Yeah, he's he's a solid, consistent winger. Um, he's got one thing going against him that is he's not very tall, mm-hmm. so he's going to be. Um, he's probably going to get targeted by a lot of high balls close to the line, yep. knowing that a lot of players are going to out jump him. But at the same time, his kick returns are pretty damn good for a guy his size, um, mm-hmm. and he's a, he's a pretty good cover defender as well. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he's going to be. I don't think he's going to be a bad idea there. He's going to be consistently good, but he's not going to be um, exceptionally out of this world. He's yeah, not, he's not going to be like that. So I think Maguire looks at him and thinks that that just ties down one spot on the field because he's got a few a few areas he needs to sort out away from that, mm-hmm. um, namely the halves and hooker. So what do, you, what do you feel about as a Tigers fan? In that, uh, and all of a sudden, it's a pile on the Tigers fan podcast. This is great. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's it like? Um, what do you feel about the way that the Tigers have been now linked to so many players and have not signed any of them, and have basically, I mean, they they're having to do make do with what they've got. Um, they haven't had any real additions. We've seen players go to other clubs that would have been handy additions to the Tigers. Is it concerning for you? Is it something, do you feel as though it's been player managers tossing the Tigers out there more than the Tigers actually going after these players? Like, how do you feel as a fan? Um, consistent. This has been going on for a long time with the club. They've been linked with a lot of big-name players in the past, and rarely have they ever landed any of them. But what about Terry Hill? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had to. I'm sorry. (laughs) I didn't mind Terry in his first year at the club. But, yeah, sort of fell away a bit after that. How bad did his defense get, huh? Mm. What Mm. the hell happened there? He got turned into a lock, which didn't kind of help. Yeah, that's true. Which, that was not brilliant. it's yeah, all like, Lob Story Eight. Like even when the club, <laughs> even when the club bought Gareth Ellis, mm-hmm. um, players knew that Ellis was world class straight away. But at the same time, the fans were saying they're, they're trying to find a reason to play it down. Surely we didn't just buy a great player. And they watched him in the World Cup, going, "Yeah, he wasn't that good. He wasn't that good." And then he came and played for us, and they're like, "Holy crap, this bloke's phenomenal!" And how did we do that? So. Um, the club said, we'll double down. We'll get another international forward. And they bought Adam Blair. I just looked off into the distance. <laughs> I just looked at the ground in sorrow. Oh, yeah. man. So, and he, and t- they t- didn't t- just t- get Adam Blair either. They said, own the farm, Adam. Here you go. Have all yeah. the money. And and in and in return, we will we will get rid of our consistently solid prop in Bryce Gibbs, and mm. also lose our rookie star in Andrew Fafita at the same time, because mm. Blair's worth more than those two. I looked off into the distance again. Hey, I looked down <laughs> to the floor again. <laughs> um, I'd I'd challenge anyone to tell me a team that's had worst. Um, recruitment and retention than the Tigers in the last 20 years. Oh, man, that's a whole podcast there. Yeah, have, let's have a, a quick think. Um, I would say, okay, over the course of 20 years, 
it can't be beat. It can't be beat. You've got short little periods of time, say, for instance, the Bulldogs over the last 18 months, I would say, would probably get in there, but not consistently over the 20 years. Definitely not. I mean, they've had three, you can count them, three good seasons in 20 years mm. where they made the finals. Mm. It's it's just not good enough. I mean, put it this way, if you think of other teams that have had some struggles, and I think immediately of someone like the Titans, who've had struggles for different reasons, but I would suggest that, and I'll guess as a Tigers fan, you would take their recruitment over the Tigers a, a million times out of a million. Maybe, yeah. I'd be inclined to take theirs more often than over the Tigers one. Mm. Um, Parramatta's another one that's sort of struggled for a while too, but even then they've been able to recruit some good players. Yeah. Um, and even outdone Tigers on a few, you know. So, yeah. They've, they've been the worst for quite a while in that area. I'm hoping that it changes soon. Yeah. But, uh, I do too. Because, like, when the Tigers are going good, it's... There's something special about it. There's, it's weird when they when they're winning games. It's like there's this reach back into the soul of rugby league's history, and it comes forward a little bit. Um, so it's good when they're going well. I guess it's similar with the the Parramatta Eels when they're going properly well. It's it's good for the game, and it, it, there's. Not huge amounts of clubs that are like that. Like, I think when Penrith is going well, it's just Penrith going well. I don't think it's it's great for the game in any great sense. But there's certain clubs where I think it's good for the game when they're going well, and they're one of them. I think that the, for the Tigers, it's because people pity the club. And I don't say that in a bad way. I mean the fact that these are two very proud um, foundation clubs. And they were forced together because of Super League. And that was after they'd been promised before the, the Super League took place that, you know, no clubs would be forced into mergers or made to quit. Yeah. And then these two foundation clubs had to. Yeah. Um, in order to avoid being taken over by rival clubs, Parramatta and the Bulldogs, yeah. and being completely forgotten. So I think people sort of go, you know, you know poor Tigers, you know, that, that must have sucked. And, uh, yeah, it still does. Yeah. Anyway, um, another story was... We'll move on to the comedy section of the show now. Okay, excellent. Because we're looking at a Paul Crawley article. Oh, wow. This will be good. <laughs> Here's the headline. Why Rugby League Needs a Loyalty Reward Scheme. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that, was, that was what I was thinking as well. Okay. What infuriates me, says Paul Crawley, and I'm sure plenty of other fans today, let's say plenty is a number less than 100, yeah. is that not only are we discussing the futures of the Trebojevic brothers right now, because there's rumours that they are being um, courted by the, the Bulldogs, mm-hmm. um, despite them not coming off contract to the end of 2020, but there is also a possibility that another club is going to come along and pinch them long before that. Why is this allowed to happen in the NRL when a club such as Manly has put years and years of hard work, money and expertise in developing them to become the special talents they now are? Why do we always have to have this conversation? Yeah, and especially in rugby league, because, I mean, going back to day one, it's kind of about recruiting players from outside. 
<laughs> like and, and promoting, you know, at, at very early on, it was about promoting player rights and player movement and things like that. And I know it changed eventually, and now it's back again. But uh, like, this is this is the sport. Like, what what does Paul Crawley really want? What does he want? What would he like? Like, what's his so, not so much what his solution is? Okay, he doesn't but have a solution. What, okay, all right. I, Shockingly, but he, what he has he, he has a hope that yeah. um, Peter Beattie and Todd Greenberg have been reading all the reports this week, and they do something to finally address a massive issue that has been ignored for far too long. Mm. There has to be a greater salary cap incentive to clubs who develop juniors, and this does not just relate to Manly but all clubs. Because he did state at the start of the article, he's not a Manly fan. Yeah, well, so he's yeah. not—he's not trying to push the manly barrow here. Oh, this isn't about manly. Apparently, that adds credibility to the article. Yeah, well, straight away, I was like, "Well, it's got to be true then, if it's not about manly." Yeah. See, I okay. Just say you brought in. All right, man. Maybe we're devoting too much to this fucking bullshit. But just say you brought in a a heavy, 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 heavy loyalty or let's call it a player development incentive okay and let's not just say when they come into your club system because i think that's bs all right let's say it's a local junior system where if you develop a local junior and they come from being in your in the local competition right into your first grade team you get some sort of big incentive for that the panthers the Broncos, the Cowboys, and the Raiders would be just almost unbeatable. If Warriors. you say, yeah, and the Warriors, you're right, yeah. the Warriors, I forgot them. They would almost be unbeatable, those clubs, and everyone else would be fighting over the scraps every other year. If you say that a player that comes through your systems like that gets a 50% salary cap discount, um, it's a it's a closed shop for those clubs and everyone else just has to do their best. You'd probably get a team like the St. George Illawarra Dragons would be on the fringe of that. Um, most Sydney clubs would be out. The Roosters would be just cellar dwellers every year. Um, you know. The, the big concern with this is, first of all, if, a, if these players want to leave the club... Mm-hmm. They should be free to do so whenever the hell they like. That's 100%. why we have the system where players can go to another club, even though they're currently contracted to one, so on and so forth. Then you need to have uh, freedom of trade for players. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, we discussed that in the Dennis Tardy episode a long time ago. Um, because the system before that denied players any respect from the club whatsoever. The club just treated them like they were cattle. Yeah, and, and was it, with them. it was very much a a system of its time that had definitely outlived its itself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was a looking back on it with what we have now. If you put it into today, I mean, it was a disgusting system, really, and it was a one that took advantage of players, and they knew it. They knew it. That's why they fought against it. Yeah. The other thing he's saying on here, just mm-hmm. to sort of um, contradict himself a little bit. He wouldn't is, do that. Are you sure it's Paul Crawley? Well, I did have to double check. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely him. Um, 
He's also, he's also talking about the fact that Daly Cherry Evans is currently being paid a million dollars a season. Yes. Is is Manly Warringa based in the Brisbane region or the Queensland region where Daly Cherry Evans grew up? Let me just Google Maps that. Um, who, no, who you know what? It seems like there's some distance between the two. That's who, interesting. Who paid for, for Daly Cherry Evans' development as a junior? And we're talking from like... 8, 10, 12, 13 years age onwards. Yes. Well, I don't think it was Manly. Yet that seems to be okay. Mm. But he's not a Manly fan, so that's that's mm. different argument. Look, Very interesting. I wonder, given that you're the uh, more of an aficionado of the NBA than I am. Yes. And that may be the last time we use that word in this entire podcasting history. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> Is there has there been concerns like this in the NBA? Well, no, because the NBA teams don't really develop players in any any capacity. They have, they do have, and I'm going to put it into terms that uh, rugby league supporters would be more familiar with. There are teams that do have reserve grade teams that you can sign free agents to the, of a lower level and develop them in your reserve grade team and then bring them up. Um, and you do get slight incentives out of that, but they're, they're extremely slight. Like you're allowed to bring them up into your top grade team only for a certain number of – It's I'm trying to think. I think it's a certain number of games you're allowed to have them in. And then you either have to send them back down or you have to sign them to – what amounts to a an NBA contract, um, and after that, I mean, uh, these players can can leave or become. Uh, I think they become unrestricted free agents, and, and so there are tiny little incentives for players like that. But because of the nature of the NBA, these players are very much fringe players for the most part. Um, and outside of that, NBA teams don't really spend any money at all developing players in the local areas with an eye on getting them back in, getting them to play for their teams. It's sort of a greater basketball sort of development that they spend on. So there's not really anything like that in the NBA. There's no Uh, complaining about player loyalty? There is only complaints about player loyalty in the sense that if you... If you sign a player, if you draft a player and he's at your club for a certain amount of time and then he's like, I want out, I want to get out of here, you'll get a little bit of complaint, but it's not really a loyalty complaint. It's more a sense of, well, this bastard, this bastard wants to leave. So there's not really any loyalty talk in the NBA, especially these days, you know. I guess someone like a LeBron James who grew up in Cleveland and just so happened to end up be drafting by drafted by Cleveland and then turn around and, and did his special where he said, oh, I'm taking my talents to South Beach. There was a little bit of loyalty talk there, but it's not really a – there's not really talk about loyalty in the NBA. It's kind of very much everyone knows it's a business and everyone can leave when they want to. And um, So there's not really much loyalty talk in the NBA, hey? Everyone knows it's a business and everyone's free to go where they want to. That's exactly, exactly. what it is. Exactly. It's almost as though – if you want to hold on to a player that you develop in the NRL, there's almost like a club can exchange some sort of value-based 
commodity to the player to show them that they want to keep them. Kind, kind um, of like barter? Yes, a, some sort of barter system. I'm trying so, to think of a so better you, word so for you it, give, though. You give the player something, yes. and in return they'll give you something like their performance. Their services in return, yeah. And they, they you almost do it for a, a set amount of time, and you sign something. I don't even know what you'd call that and so, something. Well, and what I take it, all you've got to do is make sure you keep that said player happy. Yes. Which probably just means giving them... Yeah, you just need to give them some more of the commodity if that helps to keep them happy. Yeah, yeah. Wait, this it's, is crazy. I don't think this will ever catch on. Yeah, it sounds like bullshit. It sounds like pie-in-the-sky stuff to me, yeah. eh? Didn't the barter system die out years ago with the cavemen? Ah, oh, I'm pretty sure it did. Yeah. Remember when... Do you remember when... Man, I'm going back now. North Sydney Bears, they signed a contract with a sponsor, and it was a barter company. And that was just before. It was, this was just before it rained in Gosford. <laughs> I, I remember when they signed that contract, and I was. And look, it's nothing against the company. I'm sure, they're a great company, but I remember thinking, oh, I wonder how much money they got out of that, or if it's a barter, you know, a barter system that they've put in place. I think. The, anyway. I think the better barter system was the one that the RFL had with Stobar, wasn't it? Oh, <laughs> let's do it. Let's do a whole podcast about that one day. Uh, I went crazy about that. That was the single dumbest thing I've ever heard of in rugby league sponsorship world. For those that don't know, the Rugby Football League, and this wasn't even that long ago, this was like within Within the the last last 10 years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They signed a contract with a, a, basically a transport company, a shipping company that had trucks. And it was for it was for the major sponsorship, so it would be like their Telstra Premiership, right? But they signed it with this trucking company, and the deal involved no money. But this trucking trucking company promised to put uh, like big things on the side of their trucks with Super League players on there, and it was for <laughs> no money at all. And that was the deal. And yeah, <laughs> the Rugby Football League. Wow, uh, genius. Yeah. Genius. <laughs> and then I turned around and were like, yeah, we, we don't really have any money. <laughs> oh, where, did, where did that go? Oh, that's right, because with Bartow, you're supposed to get something back. Right. Mm. We, we, we stuffed that bit. Um, Brilliant. Another article here about Mitchell Pierce. Origin withdrawal was selfless. Of course it the was. media is still asking him whether he would be open to playing in Game 3 given Cleary's injury. And he's still giving answers of, yeah, it'd be nice to get called up, but, you know, yeah. I'm kind of happy doing it. He's not committed. He's just, he's more committed to this than Mitchell Moses is. Because <laughs> Mitchell Moses is focused primarily on Parramatta. Yeah, you go but, up to Mitchell uh, Moses and say, Mitchell, do you want thirty-five grand and to be the whole centre of an origin campaign? Parramatta. And he says, No. Paramount. Parramatta is my single focus, not Lebanon, not yep. the Blues, Para. Parramatta. Yeah. That's um, all he says now when you're asking questions, he says it's Parramatta. He's Parramatta. so focused on it, it's all he says. What's your surname? Parramatta. Yeah. And it okay. used to, and it's a big change because it used to be, look at me. <laughs> and then he follows up with, yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, um, I, I, I think it's for Mitchell Pierce's sake. I think he should say, stop asking me about State of Origin. I think that 
every Blues supporter would understand if he said, I'm not answering a single State of Origin question again. I think it's detrimental to him, to his club, to the Blues. I think that it's a little bit, uh, it's a bit gross at the moment. And the, I was going to say, the best comment I heard about this whole saga with Mitchell Pearce was actually on the starting block episode last night. Mm-hmm. And they said that, uh, Greeno said on there that Mitchell Pearce should have been handed the Man of the Match award. <laughs> yeah, his decision not to play helped New South Wales win that game. Man, and they cracked up too. And I cracked up when I was listening to it. I was in their chat last night. It was good fun. Yes, uh, we'll get to that soon. Yeah. Um, an NFL coach has said Valentine Holmes is ahead of where I thought he'd be. Do you think he's going to get an NFL contract next year and be playing in the big league? I think he will... The natural progression is going to be to very much the same thing we saw with Jared Hayne in that he will play some preseason games. They'll get a look at him. They will get a look at what he can do. Um, and if he he needs to make zero mistakes, um, he's gonna he's at the Jets, so he hasn't got a lot of the pressures that kicked in with Jared Hayne in that. Jared Hayden went to a team that at the time was really, really good and had the capacity to give a player like him a chance. But then when things fell apart, immediately projects like Jared Hayden, they disappear. They go out the window because they're just, it's a lot of people trying to keep their own jobs. Um, He hasn't got those pressures at the Jets, although he is playing at a New York club. So that's a a different pressure. But. I think it'll be they'll give him some preseason, running the preseason, and see how he goes. And from there, he really has to perform in preseason, like Jared Hayne did. I mean, Jared Hayne did really, really well. Um, so we'll see what happens from there. To say he's ahead of the progress that they expected, like what progress do you expect? Like what that he's not playing gridiron at all, and that he's playing in the NRL. Like, of course, he's ahead of where you'd expect him to be. Um, and he's a great athlete, as all rugby league athletes are. And I think the vast majority of rugby league players, if they gave it a go, they would do really well in it because of the skill set you have in rugby league, the disciplines and stuff like that. Um, I kind of expect him to be looked at maybe as a special teams player, maybe a kick returner, maybe even a specialised kick returner. Um, and we'll see how he goes. It, it just comes down to that. Um, I think he'll be good at good at it. I really do. Um, I don't know how far he will go in terms of... um, He has to be outstanding. He has to be outstanding in an NFL level to have the career that you want him to have in the NFL. And the thing is, with kick returners and punt returners, their careers can be very short even if they are in the top 10%. So, I mean, he might only do this for two or three years and he would be in the same level as the top, say, 20% of kick and punt returners in the NFL. So um, it, it, you've got to grade it along those lines. But I think that he will... Will he get... Okay, here's a question. Will he get a start in a full NFL game? Yes, I think he can do that. I definitely think he can do that. Okay. Next question is, if he doesn't, how long does he stay there or does he come straight back to the NRL? If he if he plays a preseason 
and they decide to go in a different direction with the either the kick return or a punt return. I don't know that you'd play him as a running back. Um, but if they go in a different direction with whatever player they see him as, I think he will look at if there are opportunities or a couple of other teams to go straight into that role. And if that's not there, he comes straight back to the NRL. Um, I don't think he would be someone like a Hain who would look at uh, rugby union or something like that as a stopgap measure unless he has to in terms of the transitional period he might need to have between... I'm trying to think of how to word this. He might need to have a transitional period between when he stops doing what he has to do to be an NFL player and coming back to the NRL. It might He might need some transitional time um, between then and now. And in, in that regard, he might find that he can pick up a contract playing, it might even be sevens for a few months or six months or five months, whatever that transitional time is between then and all of the things you have to do to be eligible to be an NRL player. I, and I hope I'm dancing like Fred Astaire and that people understand what I'm trying to say. Um, but I think that he'll basically come straight back to the NRL and he will get a big contract and, you know, he'll be in demand from a lot of teams just because of what, who he is as a rugby league player. Absolutely. That's pretty thorough. Okay, thank you. <laughs> that's, be, that's because, Andrew, and you'll understand this because you're an expert, I'm an expert, and experts know experts. <laughs> <laughs> that's very true. It's very true. I, um, I recognise you as an expert, you see. Yeah, I, I've I've never ever doubted your expert. I'm oh. I'm sort of I'm being a bit uh, nonchalant there because I'm I'm not sure I deserve to be considered an expert. Ah, one hundred percent, you're an expert. <laughs> Stop it. I'm I'm the most humble being in the world. <laughs> Just ask me, I'll tell you. <laughs> Normally, I'd back that up with saying so am I, but we all know that's fucking bullshit. <laughs> um. Just see what else I've got on here. Is there anything else of any value? Because mm-hmm. that's all we spoke about so far is the valuable stuff. Here we well, go. Yep. This is a good one. Phil Rothfield with his open apology to Freddie Fittler. Mm-hmm. And he starts it with, we're sorry. Not, oh, I'm sorry. We're sorry. We're so- I'm glad that he spoke up on my behalf, eh? Yeah. Um, I don't apologize. Yeah. I, I, I I'm glad I New said. South Wales. Yeah, I'm glad New South Wales won. Yeah. But I still think it was mad to go into the game without any actual centres and with Daniel Saifidi starting in the front row. Yeah. I, but, I, uh, I think it was a gamble. Massive gamble. It paid yeah. off. Will yep. pay off again. Yep. That's a big risk to take. Who knows what's going to happen there. And that's but, kind of the beauty of the State of Origin series. We don't know going into these games. So I'm but, wondering if, if, if New South Wales loses the next game, on the back of these gambles. Yeah. Does fit does um does Buzz then go out and issue an apology to himself for apologizing to Freddie for game two? Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean and the thing is too, I'm sure that Freddie woke up and, you know, if he actually reads the papers and I 
I think he's like most people. He probably doesn't. Um, if But if he did, I think he would have picked up the paper and gone, oh, I've been waiting to hear those words, <laughs> especially <laughs> off him. <laughs> um, another headline here. This is, this is great. Um, analysis. Paul Crawley writes. So we'll move on. <laughs> yeah, what's the next one? <laughs> oh, that's the best part of this whole podcast. That's great. Yeah, I can imagine what Paul Crawley's analysis is like. Yeah. Exactly. I watched the footy. It was like really good. Football what? is footballed. Oh, I've got to write something quick. What did what did Buzz just write? I'll just repeat what he said with different words. <laughs> Copy, paste, replace. <laughs> Mr. Echo Chamber himself. Yeah. Um, yeah and think... you know what? Our Echo Chamber is so much better. Hi. Hey, Absolutely. We've got Absolutely. We've got, we've got a stunning Echo Chamber. Hell yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll click on the opinion one just for a okay. laugh. This right. is going to take us. Oh, another Paul Crawley article. Man. Uh, Kent versus Brandy. Forget the conspiracy theories. There was some noticeable tension between Greg Alexander and Paul Kent during an interview on Fox Sports NRL 360 on Monday night. I'm not clicking on the link any further than that. Yeah, um, that's I'm just going to say Brandy wins. Brandy, yeah, Brandy wins. Yeah, except except in the uh, attire department. Brandy, put a suit on, mate. Yeah, come on. Come on, man. I mean, you're svelte in a suit, Brandy. Like, in, in a suit, you go from being a 10 to, like, a, a 100. You know? yeah. And that's out of 10. Yeah, absolutely. He, he, makes, he makes suits look good. Yeah. He makes track suits look like track so, suits. <laughs> at least, I'll say this, Brandy, listen. Okay, when it comes to trackies, I call the grey tracky pants and nothing else. I call that the Mount Druitt suit, Okay. Now, if he's going to go on in trackies, he has to go with the grey tracky pants, got to wear thongs, and T-shirt or something's just optional. You know, that's dressing it up. So go with that if you're going to go with the trackies. And you know what? I'm sitting here literally right now wearing exactly that. I'm not even joking. Mount Druitt suit. Yes. I, I I can't add anything to that. That's... Because I've, ne- I've never been to Mount Druitt. So I've got to take your word for it. I'll take you there one day. You'll love it. Okay. I'll hold you up to that too. <laughs> yeah. We'll go and get fish and chips at Habersham, right? Uh, I'll take you do, for a walk do they, through. Do they have barramundi there? Uh, you know what? I feel like their menu does not have barramundi. I feel it's they have uh, fish. And chips. <laughs> and, but it's old-style fish and chips. You know how sometimes these new places, they don't do old-style fish and chips? But at Hebersham, they do. Um, so I'll take you there. Then we'll go to uh, to Mount Druitt Shopping Centre. We don't call it by the name that they've called it for the last 20 years. It's Mount Druitt Shopping Centre. Go for a walk through there. Uh, walk past Best and Less and all that. Then I'll take you for a walk through Dawson Mall down to the to the train station. That's always good. You get a kebab right there in the corner at the train station. And then I'll take you to Mecca, which is Centrelink. 
And, uh, yeah, I take it as Mecca. So we'll go there, walk past where the old bowling centre used to be. It's always go on, good fun. Go on the right of Centrelink, ride the queue. Yeah. Nice How long does that take? Oh, probably, we're probably standing in that queue for a good half hour. I mean, it's a long queue. Oh, that's, that's pretty That's pretty express compared to some queues I've seen in some places where I've well, lived. Well, sometimes it's out the door, you see. Yeah. And while you're there for half an hour, there's always the one person that's like, gets the shits and tries to kick the kick the wall or something. That's always good. Where else would I take you, Mount Druitt? I'd probably take you to, um, I'd take you to old Mount Druitt and I'd take you to the Jade House. And I, this is no joke. The Jade House has been doing um, Chinese food for at least 40 years. So I'd take you to the Jade I House. Was, I was Druitt. wondering where that was going. <laughs> <laughs> He said Chinese food. I was immediately relieved. <laughs> I never even thought of that. Oh, jeez. That's hilarious. Yeah. Because every Chinese restaurant I know, I know of is called the Golden Something. Yeah, you're right. The Golden. I'm trying to think of what the one in Penrith is called. I can't even remember. All I know is... It's not the shower, is it? The Golden Shower. Yeah, that'd be hilarious. The Golden Shower. That's almost my second joke. Yeah, that was, that was that a good. Was, one. That, was, that was pretty bad though compared to the first one. Mm, left a bad taste in my mouth. <laughs> um, Mel Meninga's revealed his plans for the Titans in a review. I'd have to click the link to find out what they are. Yeah, that'll be good. Yeah. It's got to um, be like make them play better, right? Yeah. Um, win games. Yeah. Yeah. Just we... wait this time out until they move on Brennan, and then I'll step in. Is that what he said? Um, I don't know. I'd have to click on the link, and I fear yeah. it might be another Crawley article. Yeah. <laughs> um, what about what we were talking about before with uh, that incredible analysis about why rugby league can never again look at playing NRL games in Perth for the obvious, re- oh, the obvious yeah. reason? That Not that. Yeah, not that they just got 60,000 people there to a state of origin game between New South Wales and Queensland and that the ratings were fantastic. or None of that. There's about a million reasons why we yeah, can't. Yeah, so there was another one which was um, the Perth government wasn't overly over the moon because they they were expecting a massive influx of tourists from New South Wales and Queensland. But yeah. apparently only 15,000 of the seats at origin were taken up by people travelling from interstate. Oh, the well, reason that's why rugby, reason. yeah, the reason yeah. why rugby league in West Australia won't go ahead is because nearly all of them went to watch a game of rugby league there. Yeah, S- silly. We can't have that. Set a uh, ground record at an AFL ground for the for the game there as well. Mm. Um, and his other argument was that the West Coast Eagles spent. $140 million since 1986 on junior development, which works out at about $4 million a year. Incredible. Incredible. And apparently the, was it $13 million a year that an NRL club gets from the grant wouldn't be able to compete with that. Now, I've done a bit of math in my time, mm-hmm. and look, I'm not an egotistical person, okay? I'm not going to be the sort of person that goes out and big notes himself on any, that anywhere. That must be nice. I think it's pretty clear. That I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a bragger. Yeah, yeah. But I'm fairly certain. I'm fairly confident in my ability at maths. 
Mm-hmm. That thirteen is bigger than four. Are you sure, though? I'm. Look, I'm. I'm going to go on a ledge. I'm a hundred percent confident, and I'm fairly certain yeah. that a hundred is both bigger than thirteen and four. Okay. All right. Okay, I, I'm willing to go with you on that. I don't get into numbers. Numbers isn't my thing, but I'm willing to go with you on that. Yeah. Um, absurd. Of yeah. course, Perth is ready for an NRL team. They've been ready since 1994. Yeah. Produces NRL talent right now. Yep. Has a, has a perfect rugby league stadium that he upgraded a little bit, and it would be... That'd be a, a brilliant stadium. Like, and I'm not talking about Optus Stadium that they just played at. They've got a rectangular stadium there. I, we looked it up before. How much did it hold? 20,000? 20, yeah, 20,500. Uh, but it's only got, what, two two sort of stands and a, a bit of a hill area at the back end of it, I think. It's kind of yeah. designed a bit like Shark Park, I guess, is what it looks like. I would say, I would say it's way better than Shark Park. It's an all-seater stadium, right? Oh, yeah, but I was, I was just talking about the way it looks. Like, it's got yeah. a bit of a hill back there. And... Yep, yep. Uh, it, and if you add a grandstand to that stadium, you'd get that up to a, about 30,000. Like, it's yeah. got one big grandstand on one side already. The other side, if you add a grandstand to that, you're up towards 30,000. And and it's a really, really good stadium to watch footy at. Um Produces that they produce their own players. Their locals turn up to watch rugby league. Um, for, brilliant for time zones. Uh, sounds terrible. Let's hope that the NRL never ever does that. Yeah. Um, sounds like it's a lock to me. Yeah. So th- thanks for that buzz. But you know he's he was talking up AFL in there. So imagine our surprise. Yeah. Exactly. Um. That that's pretty much it from the. Uh, the daily telly for for today. Yep. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of Justin Pascoe coming back after his uh, coming back six where? months sabbatical? To coming the, back uh, where? To the West Tigers. No. No. What? <laughs> oh, I don't want Justin Potato at the Tigers. He's back, baby. Oh no. He might be able to get some of these players that have been missed out on. He might have been able to secure, you know, DWZ. No. No. He's pretty good with contracts. No. No, no, no. He'd be like, listen, NRL, we we signed DWZ, okay? He's on 300000 a year. But after he retires, we're going to give him a million and a half dollars. Is that okay? What? What? No, it's not? I've got to put that in salary cap? What? Why would that be? Why was this news hidden from me? <laughs> I can't believe this. This is nuts. This is this is a uh, this is a travesty. I thought mm. the club had moved on. You know they they brought in um, the Barry Barry Hermitage Grange O'Farrell to come in to replace him, which was an upgrade mm. somehow. Um, why go back to that? It's uh. It seems strange to me. And look, I said this when with the Sharks, with Flanagan, when he was banned the first time. And look, you've, you've got to re-employ them, I guess. There's probably contractual issues in that regard and issues in terms of, um, I don't know, 
it just feels though there'd be some lawyer that would say, "Listen, you can't just sack him." You know, wasn't 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 Potato though um, deregistered? Like, did they just think that after six months, oh, he served his time, he's learnt his lesson now? And well, yeah. it's not just that, but like, do you, are you comfortable with him being the CEO again? And no, I, I, no, that's the that's the answer. I wasn't comfortable with him being there before he was an idiot and got caught doing stupid crap. Yeah. Well, so, all he did was was constantly whinge about things and go on the radio talking about how hard the Tigers were going on certain things. He's going, just run the club. Stop being trying to be a media personality. And then he had that weird drama with Farrah's contract and I don't know what he was trying to do. Yeah. And so I get the impression that he doesn't know what he was trying to do. And now he's back being the CEO again. I just thought the club had made a good decision. They got a new coach. They'd moved on from that Cleary drama and stopped talking about it. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to have this clown come back again. It's just going to sort of... I just know that some people in the media are going to sort of start talking about him again. And, oh, you know, he left when the whole Penrith thing was going on and Ivan Cleary and blah, 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 blah. And I mean, this is a bloke who didn't even know whether he was sacked or whether he resigned from Penrith. And he's now running an NRL club. Remember he said in the media, oh, you know, they got rid of me and then they said, hang on, you resigned. Today you go to the Tigers despite the fact you still had time to go on a contract with us. This is the same person who was complaining about contracts not being um, respected by Ivan Cleary. Andrew, it's a redemption story. Bullshit. (laughs) It's a redemption story. How dare you? This is is one... One very stupid potato. Get rid of it. Uh, just another thing, too, uh, and I'm just looking at the headlines. This is from 18 hours ago on the NRL website, um, and this is your club again. Um, I thought while you were on the ground, I might as well keep kicking. Uh, <laughs> Maguire hoses down talk of Bankwest Stadium hoodoo building. Um, because we've had two games and two losses there. Yeah, and not just losses, hey. Like, oh, jeez. Like those let's, sorts of soul destroying lines. Only the only the first one was soul destroying. Uh, I don't know. Do you, don't you think that the one against the Raiders was a soul destroying loss? Nah, we've been losing to them for a while. Okay, the, okay. The fact we didn't get dicked by sixty was was pretty. That was a positive result. <laughs> it's so bad to be in that position, isn't it? <laughs> Fucking fan. Shit. Um, so well, just, yeah, just look at the recent results though that the Tigers have had with Canberra. Um, yeah. It's not been pretty. Yeah. So that that's kind of why I was you know we look at that and say yeah you know what that's not a it's not a bad run really. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just bring it up and see if I can find them. There was some some yeah, big bring them up because because it's funny because they're doing this whole our jungle thing with the stadium and they're like it's Parramatta Stadium. It's just Parramatta Stadium, and everyone knows that. And it doesn't matter how that changes. We've talked about that before. Um, but they're doing this our jungle thing. And look, I think it's a good idea for them to be playing games there. But when you start saying this is our jungle, damn it, you you gotta you gotta prove it. You gotta have first of all have some yeah. decent crowds there, which that crowd against the Raiders was shocking. Um, I would I would suggest that they change the hashtag from our jungle when they play at Bankwest yeah. to to our pot plant. <laughs> What would you? What do you call that bit of grass that grows in between, like oh, the concrete? nature strip? Like, yeah, yeah, you know, when <laughs> you walk down the road. Yeah, our. I guess these days councils call it our tripping hazard. <laughs> That's right. 
<laughs> it's just, like if it's it's not so much our jungle as there's uh, a white marker around it so that the council workers come around and pull it out and fix up the concrete so no one trips over and sues them. Our, our slightly unkempt lawn out the front of the house. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, a bit wordy for a hashtag, but I think it's a bit more accurate. Um, here you go. Here's, what it, here's, the, here's the results for Canberra versus Tigers, okay, since 2016. Go for it. Lost 60 to 6. Lost 52 10. Lost 46 6. Lost 48 12. Tigers then had a win in 2018, 22 to 20. Then they lost again this year, 28 0. Wow. So, yeah. So 28 0 was actually a pretty good result. It's the second best result we've had against them since 2016. That's crazy. So we're walking away going, eh, that's not too bad anymore. We've, we've finally got them down to scoring less than 40 points against us. So just say, right, and it's tonight, Tigers take on Rabbitohs. Rabbitohs still a little bit, like, underdone in terms of they've got a number of players out. Um, obviously, no Inglis. That's the thing. They, they haven't got Sammy Burgess. He's got his, I think he got his shoulder cleaned up or something like that. Um, so they're not at full strength. I think they're getting Reynolds back tonight, which will be good. I don't know if he's been confirmed yet, but I have a feeling he's going to play tonight. Um, Walker should be in there, so they're not at, they're not completely weakened, but they they they're not at their best. If the Tigers tonight get absolutely just dicked, uh, the the West Tigers start thinking about maybe there is some sort of hoodoo at this stadium. Like how how many smashings at the one stadium do you have to go through before you start thinking, oh, my goodness, I this think place getting, hates us. I think getting hammered by Parramatta by 50 points there mm-hmm. is a start of going, okay, we have no presence at this venue. Mm. Lynn losing 28-0 against Canberra, an out-of-Sydney team. You just go, okay, we not only have no presence here, we also don't know how to play at this place. Let's abandon it now. Just walk away. Just walk just away. Forfeit tonight. Yeah. Or just say, any chance you want to play it, say Ringrose Park instead. Okay, I've got a question for you. This is a good one, all right? You've got a choice tonight's game, okay? You play it and you you have the ability to win the game, but there, you could also lose it. And then if you lose it, there might be some for and against or against you, right? Or between that or you have the chance to forfeit right now, you lose the two competition points, but there's no effect on your for and against. Yeah. I can't see how there's any difference between the two. Because have you seen the West Tigers record in in Golden Point games? No, I haven't. Is it bad? It's the worst in the NRL. Oh, have you got it there? That's not lying. That is the worst in the NRL. Really? Um, I don't have it on me at the moment, but yeah, I think they they'd only had four wins out of eighteen games or something. Where? Let me see if I can drag that the other night, didn't we? I put up, I put up a whole list of, you know, like like a ladder of every team's golden point record. Yeah, and yeah, the West Tigers was clearly worse. This is back when Penrith beat the Tigers in Golden Point early this year. If people heard the podcasts we did almost every single night, 
with deep dives that we went into some obscure statistics, like they would be fascinated by some of the stuff and then they would fall asleep listening to some of the stuff. Like some of the stuff <laughs> where we will find some shit that will be like, oh my God, that's incredible. Which I know some of our listeners would be like, these two cunts, they need a hobby. <laughs> Just this one over here. Um, Tigers have had five wins in 19 Golden Point games. Wow, that's bad. Yep. You would think with a, especially with a player like Benji Marshall, who is a is just a a dead set game winner. Man, yeah. Uh, I'm looking off into the distance again. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm looking down at my feet again. <laughs> it's yeah. So um, yeah, I don't see the difference between those two points. To be honest. Yeah. Wow. That's terrible. Go. Okay. Well, this has been a good episode. I've enjoyed it. I bet you have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. You've hated it. <laughs> just one thing. Uh, well, just one last thing. Can you yeah. tell us about when Balmain died and I had to... <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> tell us about the merger. <laughs> oh, shit. I'm the sorry. Crazy, well, I was going to say, what, what, just quickly, the crazy thing about the merger is... Um, Everyone was cranky about it for yeah. like four years. Yeah. And then we won a premiership. And everyone's yeah. like, hooray, we won a title. We're fantastic. And then the next year when we didn't even make the final, so man, I hate one another once again. And it's been like that ever since. And yeah. you get people from both, the, the people on the West Magpies side, not all of them, just a handful of them, are adamant that the Magpies are coming back because Bowman's now practically non-existent slash broke. Mm-hmm. Um. The Bowmaid side have accepted that their club is practically insolvent slash broke. So they just go, oh, we're supporting the West Tigers now. Yeah, yeah. It's funny too because it it changed because when the merger happened and look, they were – and I can't remember who it was that said it, but it was like their two dying clubs merging and I can't remember who it was that said that. Most Uh, of the media. Anybody that was alive, I guess, (laughs) was saying it at the time. But there was a feeling that – the that Balmain was in a much stronger position at that time than the West Tigers thing. And the West, the West, sorry, the West side, the Western suburbs, Magpie side. And so early on, it was very much Tigers dominated. And it was like, oh yeah, well, you know, it's really Balmain. And, you know, I guess West have got a little bit of, you know, they've got a little logo on the Jersey. Whereas now down the track, it's like, well, it's kind of almost all Western suburbs and the Tigers, you know, it is a Tiger logo and stuff. And, I mean, Balmain, Balmain's just about gone. Like, the Balmain Tigers are just about gone. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's, it's a funny thing because the the small bunch of Magpies fans who hate the West Tigers, they hate mm. the fact it's got Tigers in the name. Yeah. But that's pretty much the only semblance left of Balmain's existence. Yeah. Um. Sure, it's a it's a major one. I won't discount that, but um, that's pretty much it. I think Balmain's lower grade sides are all merged with Wright Eastwood or something like that. I don't know. I've I've not followed that for quite a while. Um, can, you, can you imagine if in 1990, leading into the grand final, and even or say grand final day, 19 not 1990, 1989 grand final day, and we all remember the footage that they would always have at Balmain Leagues Club. If you sat down with somebody and said, you know what, 
this place is going to end up derelict. It's going to have sat there for, you know, over a decade now, I think it's been empty. Mm. Your club's going to merge with the Western Suburbs Magpies and the Western Suburbs Magpies are going to basically be dragging your logo around and your colours around. And all of this, the club is basically dead, low grade, all gone. Uh, this league's and, club. And know, part, of, part of the uh, league's club being derelict is because of Benny Elias. What would that would shock say? a few people. And, yeah, and, and that awesome young talent, Tim Brash, is going to be playing for South. Oh, can you imagine? You'd probably get murdered. Oh, and by the way, playing for Souths, but Souths are going to die and come back too. And then they're going to die and come back. And, and win a title. Be, they're going to win a title and they're going to be a big club. And this club right now that we're sitting in with everyone here is not going to exist anymore. They'd probably yeah. punch you right in the face. Yeah, you'd be mad. There'd be a death in Roselle. Yeah. How weird is rugby league? Ten years. Ten years. It was only ten years and they had to merge because they were basically gone. Well, the thing is, and I'm pretty sure, we'll be digging into this another episode, but I'm pretty sure yeah. Bowman were told that um, as at 1999, they were going to be financially viable for a few more years. I think it might have been three or four, but long-term prospects-wise um, were very poor for the club. Mm. So they could have, if they had a chosen to, they could have gone it alone for a few more seasons, but it was not going to be viable. Um, the Magpies, though, I think it had been told that, you know, it's 1983 all over again. Yeah. Uh, especially given their off, given their on-field performances as well. Just that every club that they'd spoken to, like Bowman and Parramatta in a lot of talks, Parramatta just wanted to take them over and take the logo. That yeah. was it. And for the Magpies, it was even worse than that. The Bulldogs just wanted to take over, take them over and completely dissolve the Magpies entirely. Yeah. So it's just this weird awkward truce between the two clubs to just let's just go together and we'll give each other 50% each and we'll both be happy. Mm. And it's been that way ever since. Yeah. And that's weird because if you, and I talked to you about this uh, last night, I think it was, we were talking about it. You look at the history of the West Tigers and we, I, I don't know about you. I still feel it's like a brand new club, right? Like, it's still a, a new thing. Line it up to the history of the Illawarra Steelers. Yeah. You know? And it's it's so strange that I you think of the Steelers as having this long history and stuff. And, man, it's it's like they've been around for about the same amount of time as each West, other. West Tigers have been around of, longer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, it's, and I'm talking about just the top level, top grade. Yeah. Um, it's weird when you think about things like that because there would be people that would still be like, yeah, one day the Steelers, they'll be back. So strange. I mean, anyway. They'll be back. They're already there. They just play a few games at Cogger every year. Yeah. That's going to get the Dragons fans in. Yeah. Well, <laughs> every so often we see their socks. Yes. Didn't didn't the Illawarra Hawks wear a an Illawarra Steelers themed j- jumper earlier in the season? Oh, did they? I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, that's, that's pretty, pretty cool, cool, actually. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, 
there was a uh, rather unexpected trip down memory lane. Yeah. <laughs> we should edit that last part and just call it like the West Tigers merger. We should do a big episode about the West Tigers merger. You know who, I, and this is a shout-out to, shout to anybody that's listening. I would love to have Neil Whitaker come on here and just talk about his time going from working at Balmain and then into being the head of the ARL and then working through the, the um, ARL Super League merger. So if anybody knows Neil Whitaker um, and can and can ask him if he'd like to come on, please do, and get in touch with us, podcast at leaguefreak.com. Um, and, oh, man, can you imagine? We'll, we, will, we will give him hours to talk. To, and, like, I'll go to wherever he is, as long as he's in Sydney, or if he's in Hawaii. Um, and, yeah, that'd be fantastic. Absolutely. He'd be a stunning, stunning kid. Speaking of, we do have quite a few guests lined up over the next few weeks, so um, mm. um, yeah, keep tuned for that. Yeah, we've got uh, James Smith coming on on Tuesday. We've locked that one in, so yeah, that's going to so be let, flawless. Let us know. This, this is this is what was prominent about um, the Dead in Goal podcast that James hosted. Is they used to constantly talk about um, new ideas for rugby league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, he was good at spitball on ideas. Um, so we might start up a bit of a uh, a thing on a on Twitter there and ask people what what's an idea that you think James James Smith and the Ferg on the Freak podcast could discuss, flesh out to mm. try and solve some sort of issue in the game, try and make the game better, maybe try and fix some issues in the game. Yeah, and also talk. You can also. Uh... Send this stuff to podcast at leaguefreak.com as an email address. The other thing you can do too is um, tell us anything about Retro Rugby League that you miss or that you love or that you wish would come back. Uh, we'll talk about that. We're going to have more of a general just sit down and have a chin wag. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's going to be a, a good episode. It'll be longer than the last one we did. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be just a good conversation and just a – going to be the three of us having a, a good chin wag about rugby league it'll be great i'm really looking forward to it and james is a comedic intellectual genius brain and mm. i'm fairly certain he's listening so i'm hoping i've put some pressure on him mate you've got to bring the goods because uh yeah we've, we've all heard my quality <laughs> no well there's no pressure on james at all we've got to get that clear well, that's because he's a but if he doesn't double our normal listeners, he's never coming back. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I'm just saying, just uh, no pressure though. It's just all you know. I'm just saying that he needs to drive this podcast forward on all platforms. All life band. All life band. All right. Any uh, any last minute shout outs? Shout-outs, well, to the starting block. Okay. Listen to them last night. Very funny show. Very, very funny show last night, as they all are. I and mean, saying a funny starting block show, it's like saying, well, yeah, they recorded. Um, watched it live. Uh, jumped in their chat and had a bit of a, a bit of fun in there. That was all good. Um, fantastic. Always follow them. If you want to follow them on uh, Twitter, it's the starting block. You drop the K at the end. 
Uh, we love them. We absolutely yeah. love their starting block. And uh, Boogie Bumper as well. Yeah, yeah, Boogie Bumper. I think it's just like Boogie Bumper. I don't think it's spelt with any extra O's or something, although I always get extra O's from it. As you do. Um, got a few regulars, so Nadine, Arabella, uh, Carsten. Richard Rich- Cranium. Richard Cranium. I was about to pop him in there. Bartram 13. There you go. You guys are all awesome. Yeah, love every single one of yours. Uh, let me have a look here if there's anyone else. Uh, Matt Attard, one of our biggest supporters of the show. We'll have him on uh, very soon once more. Um, I'm just going through James R. He James R. retweets our tweets all the time. Is he a rugby league fan? He is now. He most certainly is now. Uh, or or have we just confused the matter more for him? There's always that possibility. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that uh, that'll probably do for shout-outs. So I can't think of anybody that we've missed terribly in there. I know that we will have Dizzy Dave, who is uh, a follower of ours. Um, he always he gets some he gets very angry about some things, Dizzy Dave, but it's always great to see. Um, oh, I want to close out with a with a serious question that's not rugby league related for you. Okay, you got to pick one. Okay. Okay. Today there's been a bit of a feud between Grant Denyer yeah. and Tom Gleeson. I I already hate this question. <laughs> Grant Denyer said, "If Tom Gleeson wins the gold logie, it would spell the end of the logies forever." And I think. The Logies were ruined the year that a carpenter won it. Yeah, he did. Although I think I feel like if you go back a little further, I felt like when it was just every year it was Georgie Parker, and then it was that um, the woman that was on that show, the blonde woman, and I can't remember her name. Oh, what was her name? She was on that like, and I, I know I'm trying to narrow it down. Adrian Xenides. No, no, she was great. Um, she was on that. I'm going to listen to me narrow this down. She was on that Australian cop show. Blue this Healers. Is good. Blue Healers. Sophie Lee. Great. She was wonderful, Sophie Lee. She should come back. Eh? I wonder what Sophie Lee is up to. Yeah, no idea. Yeah, I know you're talking about. Yeah, what's her name? Anyway, she's really memorable. Um, and she still does stuff, but she won it like 15 years in a row or something. When would you say the glory days of the Gold Logie was? Oh. Got to be I, Bert Newton and all that, eh? Yeah, probably in 1978. Yeah. Norman Gunston. Yeah. Yeah, that sort of era. Yeah, before I was born, before I saw any of it. Yeah, yeah. Like... <laughs> It's one of those things where it's like, oh, those were the days. Never saw them, but those were the days. <laughs> That's right. One of those ones. All righty. Uh, we'll wrap this up. People, uh, hop onto YouTube and uh, subscribe to us. Go and go and just click the uh, thumbs up button on all the videos just, mm. just for uh, shits and giggles for more than anything. Don't have to watch it even. Just thumbs up it and yeah. uh, move on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, follow us on Twitter, Fergo Freak Pod. You follow this man, League Freak, at League Freak. I'm on there, at Andrew RLP. Um, With that long, awkward silence and arm noise, we might sign off.
Yeah, sounds good. I'm going to go and get something to eat. I hope my stomach hasn't been grumbling too loud. <laughs> Only a little bit, but the snoring of your dog drowned it out a little. Ah, oh, fantastic. <laughs> Alrighty, people. Catch us all later.